Well, welcome to another edition of the Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here, Super Tuesday edition of the program. And we're going to take a slightly different turn with Super Tuesday this week um, because, of course, the elections in full swing, the primaries, this, that, and the other thing. One of the main areas that we in the body of Christ have to be concerned with was which politicians are we electing to office, whether local or national, and what their position is on Israel. And one of the things that President Trump did so very, very well, I can't fault him for this, was he made Israel a priority, he made religious liberty a priority. Today here on The Bottom Line Show, I'm thrilled to be joined by Rabbi Kurt Schneider, the host of the Bible teacher on the program uh, Discovering the Jewish Jesus. We're going to talk about Israel. We're going to talk about, uh, you know, the, well, we'll talk about some election ramifications. And we're also going to get into his latest book, which is a, uh, it's a big one for us to understand properly as we consider the times that we're living in. Uh, the new book is called Know Him. To know him by name, discover the power and promises revealed in the Hebrew names and titles of God. There's a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And we have a copy of the book we're giving away today. So I'll give you the phone number for since you listen early. I always give you the opportunity to get it on this giveaway first and foremost. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. 800-227-5278. The number to get you through to the bottom line. Let's get into this conversation right now with Rabbi Kurt Schneider on this Super Tuesday edition of The Bottom Line. Well, it's always a pleasure to get time with Rabbi Kurt Schneider. He is one of the busiest guys that we know. Of course, if you listen every weekday here on the Bottom Line Show Affiliates, uh, Discovering the Jewish Jesus every weekday afternoon, 4 p.m. on KCBC, weekday mornings here on K-Bright and also in Colorado and all across the country, radio and television, and now with a new printed material as well, it's the perfect time to spend some time. Happy New Year, Rabbi Kurt Schneider. Welcome back to the Bottom Line Show. My brother, Roger, God bless you. Good to be with you and all our listeners today. Good to see you. We're going to talk about his brand new book. Rabbi Schneider has a new book out called To Know Him by Name, Discover the Power and Promises Revealed in the Hebrew Names and Titles of God, which is just now out. Nothing but five-star ratings at Amazon, but I would expect Thing less. But I did want to mention to our listeners, and I've been kind of chronicling along because I'm on your uh, text message support uh, uh, prayer chain there. Uh, Rabbi Schneider, you were in Israel when the uh, attack happened on October 7th, or kind of give us, you, you've been to that region since all this uh, bombing has taken place. Yeah, we, we were there. Uh, we had been there for several weeks. We were staying in Jerusalem. Things were very, very quiet. In fact, when we arrived to the apartment we were staying in in Jerusalem, my wife, who is a very conscientious uh, person, said to the property manager, well, is, there, is there a bomb shelter close by? Just because, you know, we've been in Israel so many times in the past and their terroristic activity is not a new phenomenon. And he almost kind of like laughed or he said, oh, yeah, but we haven't used that in a long time. But here, I'll show you where it is. So it had been very, very quiet. Nothing wow. was no one was anticipating uh, this thing blowing up. And then all of a sudden, on uh, October 7th, you know, uh, we're hearing the sirens go off. Mm. And I uh, ran over to the bomb shelter and we were there. I wanted to stay there, actually, to kind of experience it with my brothers, you know, because I'm Jewish. Uh, but my wife uh, was very uh, strong and uh, really felt that she heard from the Lord that I need to be in the States where I can minister to people and reach people. And I wasn't going to be able to do that in, in, in the land right there then. So we were able to get out after several days. We flew into uh, Istanbul, Turkey, and then back into the States from there. 
what are we missing? What is the media not covering? I mean, obviously, with your radio and television background, yeah. you understand the power of the influence of the yeah. media. We're I'm seeing a lot of things, even from Christians who are saying, hey, wait a minute, Israel needs to back up here. I mean, they, they're 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 really overstepping their boundaries. What are what are, what story are we not being told from what you've seen, Rabbi Schneider? Yeah. Well, I think a lot of people, you know, they've heard it so long. It's been covered so long. There's not a whole lot new to say. However, I do have some things that I like to say that I think people are not often hearing. Unfortunately, um, people seem to have a position and they're so locked into their position that they're not able to understand some of the things that are going on underneath the surface. Very so true. let me say firstly that the whole situation is a complete human tragedy. The whole situation is an absolute mess and it's just terrible. Uh, I stand with Israel 100%. But I think it's also important for God's people to have a, a deeper understanding of what's going on there. And uh you know, and as I share this, some people, if they don't hear me out, they're going to get the wrong impression. So I just want to state one more time at the answer. I stand with Israel 100%. I believe that Israel needs to absolutely destroy Hamas to the bitter end. I don't think yeah. there's any other possibility for a good outcome here other than Israel completely eradicating Hamas and then helping uh, the Palestinians set up a government at their own volition that will be a government that's operating with a sound mind that can come to terms with peace with Israel so that both nations can prosper. Okay, mm -hmm. that's my goal, goal yeah. that a new government would arise in Gaza and that um, it would be a government that would recognize that the only way for uh, a path forward for peace for all is to figure out how to compromise and how to work things out. That's my mm -hmm. hope. Well, However, uh, let me go ahead, my brother. No, no, I was going to say that, that, that that's great counsel from Rabbi Kurt Schneider today here on The Bottom Line, uh, the host of Discovering the Jewish Jesus, author of the brand new book, To Know Him by Name, which we're going to get into in a moment. But I did ask Rabbi, to, since he was in Israel on October 7th, uh, th this kind of, it sounds like the two-state solution that we've heard many times before. And I, and I appreciate the fact that you brought up the fact that this is that launched the attack on Israel. This is not the Palestinian Christians who were trying to live in Gaza. They, unfortunately, 20 years ago, voted in Hamas, you know, this dictatorial militia group, basically terrorists, to be their government. And this is a chance for them to reset right now, it sounds like. Well, Israel wanted uh, that to happen, as you know, in Gaza, when they pulled out back in the early 2000s and hoping that uh, that Gaza would become self-ruling and uh, that there would be a government that they would elect that would be a government that could form a partnership with Israel so that both could function autonomously and prosper. Uh, I don't want to say too much because I think people are so sick and tired of hearing it every day, but I do want to say this. Here's what grieves me about the situation. What grieves me about the situation is that, 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 that Christians are so pro-Israel that they don't really understand the nature of the conflict. This is a very complex situation. And I think we need to understand the complexity of the situation to be able to have a, a heart that expresses the love of God for all people. So here's the truth. Okay, the truth is, first of all, the Lord gave Israel to, 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 the, to, to the Israelites, to the Jewish people. Right. And that giving of the land was a conditional in the sense that God would allow them to prosper in the land if they were obedient to him, 
But if they were disobedient to him, he would scatter them. This is all through the prophets, and we've seen this happening. This is called the diaspora, when the Romans finally came in in 70 AD, destroyed the temple, and the Jewish people uh, were dispersed to the four corners of the earth. And that wasn't the first time it happened. It happened earlier in Israel's history, too. And nobody argues, none of the old ultra-Orthodox rabbis argue the fact that Israel has been dispersed into the nations because of disobedience. So we first of all need to understand God gave the land to Israel, but in order for them to occupy the land and stay in the land and live peacefully and prosperously, they had to be obedient to the covenant. Yeshua, Jesus said to the Jewish people when he walked the earth, because you did not recognize the time of your visitation, not a stone, he was pointing at the temple, will be left standing upon another. So he's prophesying the destruction of the temple and destruction of Jerusalem. We need to understand some of these things. And so as a result of Israel's disobedience, and also I believe their, uh, they didn't recognize the time of their visitation, they didn't receive Messiah Yeshua, as a result of that, they were dispersed among the nations. And in that, in that uh, state, Arabs took control of the land. They being, they, Arab people have been living in that land now for about 2,000 years. So we need to understand the history here. Given to the Jewish people, but who's actually been living there for the last 2,000 years? The majority of the people living there were Arabs before 1948. And so what happened was in the 1920s and 1930s, as a result of a persecution that Jewish people were experiencing, especially in Europe, they began to immigrate into Israel from Europe in large numbers. Now, as, as masses of Jewish people, and relatively masses, uh, but as people started uh, immigrating into Israel in large numbers in the 20s and 30s, it began to cause a lot of conflict in that region, because remember who had been living there. Right, for 2,000 Arab. years, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And part of what was happening in that process was the, um, the property in, in that region of the world was sometimes owned by Jewish entities that were living outside of what was then called Palestine, because Israel had not been uh, formed as a nation yet in 19, as of, you know, which happened in 1948. So Jewish entities purchased this land in Palestine for the purpose of giving Jewish people from Europe a place to go in and settle. So what was happening was, as this land was being purchased by Jewish entities and then being given to Jews to go in and immigrate there to make Aliyah, we say, Arabs were being driven out. That's just the nature of what happened. Arabs that had been living there were losing their land. They were losing their, their place to live. Jewish people were coming, pushing them out, taking their place. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's all important. It's all good. But we have to understand the nature of, of human nature, you right. know. And then what happened, 1948, you know, the United Nations, because they had seen Israel, Jewish people, uh, be persecuted for so long culminating with the Holocaust, which was one of the biggest human tragedies that this planet has ever known, they felt it's time to do something to the Jewish people to protect them. So they divided Palestine in two, giving half to Israel and half to the Palestinians. And we often hear the Palestinians rejected it, but the Jews accepted it. Well, first of all, let me say that the Jews accepted it, but it wasn't exactly what they wanted, but it was better than nothing, so they accepted it. Right. But think about the Palestinians. The Palestinians rejected it, and a lot of people think, oh, they rejected it. But you have to understand that the Palestinians, it was their house. You know, it's like it's like someone coming into your house and saying, Roger, you know what? We're, we decided we're going to, your government comes in. They say, you know, what? we're going to divide your house in half. Hmm. You know, the people that were given half your house, they might feel good about it. 
but you're probably not going to feel so great about it. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why in 1948, all the nations attack. As soon as Israel was birthed, all the nations attacked because Israel was, you know, coming into part of their house. But that's fascinating information from Rabbi Kurt Schneider today here on The Bottom Line. He's the host of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. We're getting a primer as to why the tensions in Israel are so hostile, especially with the Hamas attack, the Israeli response. We are going to get into the brand new book, I promise, on the other side of this break. It's called To Know Him by Name, Discover and Power and Promises Revealed in the Hebrew Names and Titles of God. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of my conversation with Rabbi Schneider in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Here's Dennis Wilson of Wilson Financial Services with a reminder that your investments do more than just make money. They actually change lives. This Christmas, we gave our family the gift of life. So I thought, let's do the same for our Wilson Financial clients. A way of saying thank you for being in partnership with us in the ministry. What we're going to do to honor our clients is we're going to fund 100 ultrasounds per month, each month for the next 12 months through preborn. Also, each quarter, we're going to buy an ultrasound machine. And at the end of the year, those machines will be saving an average of 1,600 children per year. We do this to honor and inform our clients of this great ministry and to say thank you for being our clients and being our friend. Call 800-696-9970, 800-696-9970, or go to kbrightradio.com forward slash Wilson Financial for simply better alternatives. Rabbi Kurt Schneider is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. Rabbi Schneider, the uh, the, the the lead, the founder, the principal teacher on the Discovering the Jewish Jesus Ministries program. It's radio that you hear on our Bottom Line show affiliates all across the Western United States and also television as well. And it's just growing like wildfire. And if you did not hear the first segment where Rabbi Schneider was recounting what it was like to be in Israel on October 7th to understand the magnitude of what's happening there and that great history with regard to why are the you know the Christians are are very much pro-Israel, but what does it mean to be biblically pro-Israel? Rabbi Schneider gave us a nice succinct ten-minute homily on uh, how we can pray for the Israelis, pray for the Palestinians, and understand too. There's a terrorist component here that's trying to you know, drive these people apart from each other, and that's what's really fueling all the uh, uh, the frustration. Uh, Rabbi Schneider has written a brand new book, and it's uh, it's just now out. It's called "To Know Him by Name: Discover the Power and Promises Revealed in the Hebrew Names and Titles of God." We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rabbi Schneider, help us understand the difference between the names and the titles and why it's important for us as Christians to understand them better. I think it's really, really important. I think there's so much depth that we can uh, receive by understanding the Hebrew roots of our faith, the Jewish roots of our faith, and knowing God's names as was revealed to us by Hashem, by Yahweh in the Hebrew Bible, helps us to connect to him in such a way that we believe him to do for what the God of Israel through Yeshua, through Jesus, says he will do for us. Let me back up and put it another way. None of us can see God, right? I mean, that's an obvious you know, rhetorical mm-hmm. question. So if we can't see him, how do we know him? We know him through his self-revelation. Remember, mm-hmm. Jesus said to Peter, who do they say that I am? Peter said, "Say some say Elijah, some say John the Baptist. And Jesus said to Peter, who do you say I am? And Peter said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. And Jesus said, Flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And then he said, and upon this rock, I'll build my church. So the church is built on revelation. 
The church is built on God's self-revelation being received and being established in. We can't see God. So how do we know a God that we can't see? We know him through revelation. And one of the primary ways that God has chosen to reveal himself to those whom he is in covenant with is through his names. And so we begin this journey by maybe just taking a look uh, at a few verses in the New Testament. Then we'll mm-hmm. go right to the beginning of the Hebrew Bible. Let's do Think it. About this before I launch into an explanation of some of God's Hebrew names revealed to us in the scriptures. First of all, the first verse in the New Testament, Matthew 1.1, begins by bringing Jesus back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis. So Matthew 1.1 says, this is the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. So the first verse in the New Testament brings us back to the first believer in the book of Genesis, Abraham. So it must be pretty important to know Jesus through the Torah and the prophets, because the first book Uh, The first verse in the New Testament brings Jesus back to the Torah and the prophets. Hmm. And then consider that Jesus said to the woman in John chapter 4, we call her the woman at the well, Jesus said to her woman, he said, you don't know what you're worshiping. We know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. So this is not a way to puff up Jewish people or to put the woman at the well down. It's a simple fact. Jesus said to her, listen, you don't understand who God is. We know what we worship, salvations from the Jews. This helps us know that understanding our faith from a Jewish perspective is pretty important. Mm-hmm. This is why Yeshua said, every scribe that becomes a disciple of mine, and a scribe was someone that made copies of the Torah, the first five books of our Bible. So a scribe knew the Torah like the back of his hand. Right. So Jesus said, every scribe that becomes a disciple of mine will be like the owner of a mansion, able to bring forth out of that mansion treasures old and new. Mm. In other words, if you're a scribe, you know the Hebrew Bible, but when you become a disciple of mine, you're going to be able to bring forth not just treasures that are old, but treasures that are new. And lastly, in relation to this, Jesus said, do not think I've come to abolish the law and the prophets. I've not come to abolish, but to fulfill, fulfill full. And he said, and everybody that teaches from the law and the prophets will be called greatest in the kingdom of God. So this is important. Now, when it gets to God's revealed sacred and uh, names and titles, we should begin by saying that there's a difference between a title and a name. Mm-hmm. So when we begin our study of God's sacred titles and names, we go to the book of Bereshit or Genesis, we read in the first chapter, in the beginning, we all heard the scripture, God created the heavens and the earth. Mm -hmm. The Hebrew word there in Genesis 1-1 is Elohim. The Hebrew word for God in Genesis 1-1 is Elohim. Now, Elohim is the plural of the word El. El means God, singular. But the scriptures say Elohim created the heavens and the earth. Elohim created man in his own image. Remember, El is God singular. Elohim is God plural. Now, I should say that the pagan nations, some of the pagan nations also refer to their God as El. So it wasn't a term that was used to reference God just by the Hebrew people. Other nations 
also called their God El. But the Lord, to put emphasis on the fact that he was the one true God, he made his name plural. Because when you make a name plural in Hebrew, you're putting like an exclamation point on it. It stands mm -hmm. out above the rest. So the first thing that we notice when we see that El has become Elohim, Elohim created us in his own image, is that it's an accent that he wasn't just a God, he is the God. And then secondly, and very importantly, the fact that he's revealed to us as Elohim, El in the plural, speaks to us, Roger, of the multidimensional nature of the Godhead. Yes. Because as we continue in Genesis 1 and 2, what do we read? Elohim made man in his own image. Listen, he said, let us, the text reads, the Lord yes. is speaking. He said, let us, who's the us? He said, let us make man in our, who's the our image? Father, so Son, Holy Spirit. Yes. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The us right, speaks of the plurality within the Godhead, that there is relationship within God, the mystery of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit being separate yet one. And so that's an insight into what the church calls the Trinity, but I'm just simply referring it to the multidimensional nature of the Godhead. God has revealed himself to us as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and the Son has always been in a relationship with the Father, He's been in the Father's bosom from the beginning. So in the revealing of the Creator's name, we find this multidimensional nature. Jewish people, traditional Jewish people say, we don't believe in your God because we believe that God is one. We don't mm. believe in three gods. We don't believe in a Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We believe there's one God. We believe that there's one God too, but we believe he's multidimensional and that he has relationship within himself. Interesting. Interesting from Rabbi Kurt Schneider, giving us a little bit of perspective as to how we can see the Trinity, though it's not specifically mentioned in Genesis 1. To know him by name, discover the power and promises revealed in the Hebrew names and titles of God. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. More of my conversation with Rabbi Schneider in just a moment as The Bottom Line continues. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here. Rabbi Kurt Snyder is my guest today here on The Bottom Line. And his brand new book is called To Know Him by Name, Discover the Power and Promises Revealed in the Hebrew Names and Titles of God. If you've been looking at Old Testament type of things recently, trying to figure out where we are in the, you know, the cycle, the timeline, if you will, of the world, um, this book by Rabbi Schneider is so important. And if you heard the opening segment where we talked just exclusively about Israel and how important Israel is to uh, the world conversation, um, then to know him by name and to know the way that God uh, speaks to us, that God speaks to us in the body of Christ, both in Old and New Testament terms. So to understand the Hebrew names and titles of God is essential, especially in the world that we're living in right now. I do have one copy of this book we're giving away at 800-227-5278. But I, I tell you and I implore you, when you contact the Bottom Line Show, we had a lot of people like last Wednesday, I said, you know, we had the James Harmon book and everybody went nuts and people started calling in. And I know we're going to get a lot of calls today, um, you know, probably 10, 15 calls for Rabbi Schneider's book. And that's good. When you call in, though, understand that we do have one copy of this book to give away, but we have all sorts of other things, too. And I know that officially uh, that happens on tomorrow's program on Everyone Wednesday. But brothers and sisters, the time is just too short, and we have a lot of great resources here that can help you with your marriage, help you with health, this, that, and the other thing. And it really breaks my heart that they come in 
to the studio because there's a possibility we might interview the author or sometimes we just get them as, you know, hey, share them with whoever you want to. And I really want to encourage you to call in and ask for one of those resources. So if you don't get the book by Rabbi Schneider, that's okay. We have other things to ask for. If you've got a question about end times, this, that, and the other thing, we'll put Teresa and Crystal on the trail and see what we can find for you because it's that important, okay? 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. Again, the book by Rabbi Kurt Schneider uh, is up uh, at thebottomlineshow.com. It's a great one to know him by name. Discover the power and promises revealed in the Hebrew names and titles of God. You know, I was thinking a lot this past weekend about, I mean, the end times, about the Lord's return, about the way things are are going in this world right now. And one of the things that I'm really concerned with, I mean, you may be too, is people who are Bible-believing Christians, or so they claim, who are discovering either that they don't know as much about God's word as they thought they did, or that they know just enough to be dangerous and they don't really care. And and I really, this is where it kind of boils down to, it's not so much a question of how much scripture do you know. There was a guy, a pastor who posted something, I think on Twitter, X, whatever they call it, uh, saying, you know, at the end of the day, uh, when God comes to judge the living and the dead, it's, he's not going to be concerned with your political party or how much money you made or what part of the world you lived in. It's how kind were you to the disenfranchised? And a bunch of pastors, you know, kind of jumped online and lovingly pulled him aside and said, hey, look, man, that, that, no, that's not it. The judgment remains for those who have not received salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. The core of your relationship with God is that you're a sinner, and I'm a sinner, and we live in a sinful, fallen world. We need a Savior, and we can't save ourselves. The only way we can receive salvation is because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. That is square one in our faith, and everything else kind of flows through that. We're going to talk more about that with Rabbi Kurt Schneider from Discovering the Jewish Jesus, coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. Call personal injury attorney Stephanie Cover of Cover Law first after an accident. Friends or family might tell you to get in touch with the insurance company for the party at fault first, but this is wrong. Stephanie knows countless myths that surround personal injury law, and she will help you separate fact from fiction. Stephanie worked directly for insurance companies for decades, and she knows how to navigate the process. You may wonder if your injury is too minor to warrant an attorney representing you. Stephanie can help you figure that part out with a free call, and she will tell you honestly if she thinks it's worth pursuing. Sometimes injured people are concerned about going to trial, but Stephanie prides herself on her ability to stay out of a courtroom because it typically means that she can maximize the amount you will actually receive. Don't make these decisions on your own. Contact Stephanie Cover at kbrightradio.com slash cover. That's C-O-V-E-R. From Rabbi Kurt Schneider, giving us a little bit of perspective as to how we can see the Trinity, though it's not specifically mentioned in Genesis 1. But also, too, it sounds like, and I forgive me for overstepping my interpretation of what you just shared, Rabbi Schneider, but it, it sounds like that would be a common misconception in the Jewish community, saying we're missing the Elohim part because we're so fixated on the L part. Is that the way you interpret Scripture as well? Well, I think that I certainly agree that um, the Jewish people are blinded. You know, the scripture tells us, Paul tells us that there's a veil over their eyes, even to this day. And Jewish people are brought up to basically reject Jesus without even knowing why. Mm. I mean, it's like mm. it's osmosis. You don't have to mm-hmm. know the scriptures. You don't have to have a reason. You just know you're a Jew. And because you're a Jew, Jews don't believe in Jesus. So they just, just block it. 
Um, but yeah, there's something missing there. And when you ask them the question, well, who was God speaking to when he said, let us make man in our image? They say, oh, he's speaking to the angels. But that doesn't make any sense because we're not made in the image of the angels. Right. So I go on, though, from introducing the creator, Elohim, and he's also revealed as El Elyon and El Roi and some other names as well, which I get into in the book. But we go from there, from the title of God, with God, El, Elohim, these are titles of God. We go on from there to God's personal sacred covenant name, Yahweh. And um, so God says to Moses, he says to him, your forefathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob knew me as God Almighty, El Shaddai in Hebrew. And I go on to that in the book. They knew me as El Shaddai. They knew me as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord said, and then he breathed a breathy, Yahweh composed of the four Hebrew letters, yud Hey, vav Hey, But by my name, Yahweh, the Lord said to Moses, they did not know me. Mm. And so Yahweh, and this is the best that we are aware, according to our Semitic scholars, of how to pronounce his name, Yahweh, because in the Hebrew alphabet, we don't have vowels. There's right. only consonants. Mm -hmm. So, for example, it, to take an English correlation, let's say that our alphabet was only consonants with no vowels, and you had a B and a T, but there's no vowels. How would you know if the B and the T together was bat, but, bit? You wouldn't know. They're mm -hmm. all different right. words, right? And it all depends on the vowel sounds. So what we have done in Hebrew, was it was passed on orally. But eventually what happened is they began to put, uh, the sages began to put accent markings over the consonants. And the mm. accent markings took the place of the vowel letters. There was no letters added. There were just accents over the consonants. Mm -hmm. Depending on the shape of the, consonant, of, the, of, the, of the accent marking, you would know how the one consonant connects to the next consonant. Is a oo, o, oo, ah. And so... Because the, the, the Hebrews were afraid that the pagans would learn how to pronounce God's sacred name, they put the, the wrong accent markings over the consonants, mm. mess it up, so mm -hmm. that no one on the outside would figure out how to pronounce yud Hey vav Hey. Those are the four Hebrew letters called the tetragrammaton that make up God's personal sacred covenant name. So because the sages put the wrong accent markings over the consonants. And also because over time, there was a change in language so that the ya sound in Hebrew began to become pronounced in English as a J sound. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you drive into Jerusalem, you'll see an, a, a sign there and the, and the English will say Jerusalem. But then underneath Jerusalem, you'll see the Hebrew and the Hebrew will read Yerushalayim. So you see, you have the J sound in English, mm -hmm. but in Hebrew, it's the Y sound. Hmm. Yerushalayim. So think about this now. God's sacred name, Yahweh. Hmm. But because the sages put the accent markings, the scribes, over the wrong, they put them wrong over the consonants, so people wouldn't know how to pronounce them. And because language changed, 
and the and the ya sound in Hebrew became changed to a J sound in English. Christians think that God's name is pronounced Jehovah. Mm. But there is no Jehovah. It's Interesting. Yahweh. Interesting. So for example, we sing that song, Jehovah Jireh. Uh-huh. That's a great song, right? I mean, I like it, but there yeah. is no there is no Jehovah Jireh. It's Yahweh Yahweh. Yeah, oh. exactly. And so, uh, <laughs> so, 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 this is what what we've done here is we've we've kind of taken some of this apart. And then what we do is once we introduce God by His personal name and describe who He is by His character, because Yahweh revealed Himself. For example, when Moses called upon the name of the Lord, the Lord God called upon Yahweh to reveal Himself, and Yahweh passed by Him and proclaimed to Moses who he was. And we have this self-revelation that Moses received as to who this Yahweh, which is our covenant God, who is he? What's his personality like? And the Yahweh of the Hebrews, Roger, is the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes. And he is the one that shows us to be in relationship with himself and then predestined us to himself through Jesus. The Bible says, Blessed be the God, blessed be the God and Father of the Ephesians chapter one, beginning in verse three. Blessed be the God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So who do we start with? Blessed be the God and Father, Yahweh, of the Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And he drew us to himself. He predestined to us to himself in Christ. He chose us, the scripture says, before the foundation of the world in Ephesians 1, and then predestined us to himself through Christ. So mm. who is it from? It's from Yahweh. We're in a covenant relationship with God, and his name is Yahweh. Wow. And then what Yahweh did was he revealed what he does for his children for those that he has chosen to be in covenant relationship with by attaching his name to one of the things he does. For example, we look at Yahweh Yireh, mm -hmm. the Lord, our provider. So what does this mean? We This means that we can trust God to be our provider. We're struggling with something. What do we do? We can look up and say, God, you showed me in the covenant that you've revealed yourself to me as the one that will provide for me. And knowing how we connected his Hebrew name to what he does for his people helps establish us and helps uh, give us roots in our faith to believe in him, to be to us who he wants to be. This is an incredible lesson from Rabbi Kurt Schneider today here on The Bottom Line as we're talking about the promises and the power that are revealed in the Hebrew names and titles of God. His brand new book is called To Know Him by Name, and we've got it up at thebottomlineshow.com. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to take a look at one of the names of our Messiah, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, that uh, is, is common to many but maybe misunderstood as well. It's coming up next as The Bottom Line continues. 
I can't say enough about preborn, and I'm going to keep talking about them because I love what this organization stands for. Basically, what they stand for is the truth, the truth and the science, the truth and the science and being honest about the situation that a woman is facing when she is facing an unplanned pregnancy. Did you know this is a problem within the church? 60% of the women who have abortions in the United States do so after already having given birth at least once. 54% of the women who have abortions in the United States are church-going women if not Bible-believing, born-again Christians. So what does that say? It tells me that we in the church need to do a better job of educating people as to what's really going on when a woman tests positive for pregnancy, as they say. Go to a pre-born clinic, they'll do the pregnancy test, then they will do an ultrasound. And the ultrasound technology will show you the pictures of the child in the womb, and then they'll tell you the three options, not the two that the abortion clinics. Abortion clinics say, either you're gonna be a parent that's gonna be expensive and ruin your life, just have an abortion. The third option is adoption, and Preborn recommends adoption every single time a woman comes in with an unplanned pregnancy. 85% of the women who go to a preborn clinic and have the ultrasound choose life for their baby. You can help in this effort. Make your one time donation to Preborn today. Go to kbrightradio.com and click on the Preborn banner. Rabbi Kurt Schneider is with me today here on The Bottom Line. I'm Roger Marsh. If you love listening to the teaching of Discovering the Jewish Jesus, and I know, I love having Bottom Line show in the Bay Area on KCBC. We're on 3.30 to 4 every weekday afternoon at 4 o'clock. It's Rabbi Schneider, and it's just a great handoff because the information is so rich, and uh, the way you tie Old and New Testament together is so very helpful, especially in these strategic times. Brand new book by Rabbi Schneider just now out called To Know Him by Name. Discover the power and promises revealed in the Hebrew names and titles of God. We have a link for the book up at thebottomlineshow.com. And before the break, Rabbi, we were going through uh, some of those names, uh, the covenant names of God, and they're they're just too rich. They're too important for us to gloss over. But I wonder if in these final 10 minutes or so, you can take us through a couple more of them to help us get a deeper understanding of why these names are meaningful. They're more than just saying we're praying to God, but we're praying to you know, Yahweh Nisi, Yahweh, the, the, yeah, the yeah. different names. Talk about those. Yeah, I really think there's a, an incredible um, freedom that comes. The truth sets us free. And by understanding, Roger, and our listening audience say, who our God wants to be to us. I mean, this is his self-revelation. He didn't have to reveal his names to us. He revealed his names to us because he wants his children to know what we can trust him for. So we just got done uh, covering uh, uh, one of his sacred covenant names. Let's move on to another one now. Let's go to Yahweh Makadesh, hmm. the Lord, our sanctifier. The Lord's in the book of Leviticus. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. So Yahweh Makadesh is the Lord, our sanctifier. The Lord revealed himself to us as our sanctifier. Now, why is that so rich and why is it helpful? Well, for me, it's so helpful because I realize in and of myself sometimes, I mean, I'm just filthy flesh. My motives aren't right. You know, my, my thoughts can be evil, selfish, angry, uh, all those different things. So I don't necessarily have to beat myself up. I mean, I do want to be convicted of wrong, but my, my thankfulness is that I can't necessarily change myself. I can't make myself unselfish or whatever, but what I can do is I can call out to Yahweh Makadesh, the Lord, my sanctifier, and ask him to cleanse me and sanctify me according to his word. And it's not up to me to change myself. All I'm required to do is to call out to him and open my heart and receive him. 
to as many as received him, Jesus said in, in the New Testament, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And so yes. the problem is, is that oftentimes Christians are trying to do it by themselves. They're trying to be good Christians. But the Bible tells us in Titus 3, 5, it's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to his mercy, mm. according to the renewing and regenerating power and yes. washing of the Holy Spirit, that he that began the good work in you is going to finish it. So when I read about Yahweh Makadesh in the book of Leviticus chapter 20 and realize that my God has put me in covenant relationship with him to be my sanctifier and all that's uh, required by me is to come to him with a broken heart and, and faith asking him to make me whole and that he's going to complete what he began, that's a great comfort for me. Because if it's up to me, then there's no hope. Amen. Amen. Let's talk about the Lord our peace. The Lord our yeah. peace, Yahweh Shalom. You know, um, Yeshua is, uh, he is the Prince of Peace, the Sar Shalom, Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. And and it's so true that we we look for peace everywhere because we're flesh, right? We, we're, we're tied to the outer world. Right. Our, we have five senses, right? My What does my eyes do? My eye sees in the outer world. What does my ear do? It can hear what's in the outer world. We're born into this world connected to the outer world we're born as flesh and we're, we 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 crave peace and by nature we're looking for that peace in the material realm in the temporal realm in the realm of flesh and we can never find it but yeshua said my peace i give to you mm. not as the world gives but my peace i give to you and so Yahweh has revealed himself to us as the source of true peace. And, you know, we can quote these scriptures and blah, blah, you know. Listen, this is a journey. This doesn't happen just by reading it in a book. Right. This is a transformational experience and a journey that we go on with Yahweh through which we're being changed from glory to glory over a lifetime and it's painful because mm. we're dying to ourself in the process we're dying to the old to say yes to him the bible says if we put to death the deeds of the flesh by the spirit we're we're, we're, we're sons of god so i want to say this because a lot of times people are you know they're being promised they're quoting all this stuff as if just quoting it makes it makes it you know that, that you're experiencing it but there's a big gap sometimes between our quoting information to walking in the spiritual reality of it. So what I hope to help do is put people on the path for them to take a hold of these things. Yes, for example, Yahweh Shalom or Yeshua Sar Shalom, God our peace, that it puts us on the path to recognize that if we really want peace, we're going to have to spend time alone with God. And stop running to the world looking for peace where we're always right. going to come up empty and deny those impulses that lead us outward to instead just sit before him, which is hard to do, so that he can begin to impart his peace to us and deliver us from all that energy out there that doesn't ever bring us anything. Hmm. You know, one another one of God's covenant names that he revealed to us is Yahweh Rofecha or Yahweh Rofi meaning the Lord, our healer. Mm -hmm. Remember, Yeshua said, Jesus said, 
if you've seen me, he said, you've seen the father. Father, yeah. So what did Jesus do? Everything, everywhere he went, he basically did the same three things. He healed the sick. You look, if people that study the scriptures, you know, a lot of people haven't been taught this, but study the ministry of Jesus. Study the ministry of Jesus in the gospels. And what you're going to find is that everywhere he went, he did the same three things. He preached the gospel. He healed the sick. And he drove out foul spirits or demonic spirits. Mm. Everywhere mm. he went, he did the same thing. And so Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. One of the things we see in Jesus is he healed people of their diseases. Yeah. Does this mean he healed everybody? No. There was a lot of people that were still sick after he ascended to heaven in Acts 2. But he healed quite a few. And, and we, need to, we need to become more in our world today accustomed to looking to the Lord to be our health and our healer. Amen. The Bible says, if the spirit that raised you from the dead dwells in you, he will give life to your immortal bodies. So we look up, Father, to rely on you to be our health, to keep yes, our Lord. flesh healthy yes, and Lord. keep us strong and to live in vigor in Yeshua's name. Now, this doesn't mean we'll never, you know, face a sick. I'm not trying to set people up, but I'm telling us God wants to be our source of health. So Amen. Yahweh Rofecha, Yahweh Rofi, is revealed himself in the Hebrew Bible as the one who is our healer. And so it, it just establishes us in who God is and who he wants to be to us. I love that pursuing passion and nature of God. The fact that he wants to be our peace and he finds us with that peace. That he wants to heal us and he he, he does provide that healing. That he wants to be our shepherd and, and our sanctifier. And we've got about 60 seconds left. This is a horrible question to ask you, Rabbi Schneier. This quote, because I, there are a lot of people who are looking at the Christian life and they're saying, I don't believe it. I don't see Christians living this way. I don't really believe that they are taking hold of who the true Christianity is. They're just going out and saying, we want to win elections and we want to you know, overthrow uh, Palestine and th that type of stuff. And yet you talk about in your book to know him by name, the fact that we do have a name for the Lord, the Lord, our righteousness. Can you talk about that as we wrap things up? Well, the Lord is our righteousness, and Baruch Hashem, bless the name of the Lord, because when we're in relationship with him, the blood of Jesus becomes our shield against all accusation. Amen. Accusation of man, accusation in a court, criminal court in the spirit world. In other words, God has made us free because Jesus died and paid the price for our sins. Baruch Hashem. You shall call his name Yeshua, for he shall save his people from their sins. And that's what Yeshua means. He shall Love save it. his people from their sins. I love it. He saves us. He protects us. He engages us to do battle for him, knowing that the ultimate war has already been won. And uh, I think that I like those odds. Not that I'm a gambling person, but I love the fact that we can take up for, for his cause, knowing that Jesus has already won the ultimate war. Uh, Rabbi Schneider, the the Time always goes by so quickly. We'll have to have you back on again to get into more of these names. But for now, uh, thank you so much for not only writing this book, but explaining it to our listening and viewing audience, those who are watching at myhopenow.com as well. The brand new book by Rabbi Kurt Schneider of Discovering the Jewish Jesus Ministries is to know him by name, discover the power and promises revealed in the Hebrew names and titles of God. It's a great book. And we've got a link for it up at thebottomlineshow.com. Rabbi Schneider, thank you, my friend, my brother. Thank you. I appreciate the time today and for helping impart this wisdom to our listeners. Thanks for being with us today here on The Bottom Line. I love you, my friend. Thanks for making it a great day. 
Well, it's always a powerful conversation with Rabbi Kurt Schneider of Discovering the Jewish Jesus. And today here on the Bottom Line Show, uh, we were really just kind of scratching the surface. I mean, we spent the whole hour together talking about uh, Israel, talking about his brand new book, To Know Him by Name, Discover the Power and Promises Revealed in the Hebrew Names and Titles of God. There's a link for that book up at thebottomlineshow.com. We are giving away a copy of that book as well. 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278, 800-227-5278 is the number to get you through to the bottom line. And remember, of course, Rabbi Schneider is, uh, for. you hear me say this every day on the, uh, on the broadcast here, for our friends at KCBC who listen to the Bottom Line Show every day, uh, you know that we are live uh, from 3.30 to 4 Pacific Time on KCBC Monday through Friday. But then we also air um, the Bottom Line Show Extra on KCBC 7 to 7.30 p.m. And then the Bottom Line Rewind every morning uh, at 10.30. The following day, you get to hear one of the highlights. And the, th- the reason that I, I like the, you know, the way we kind of do that, give a chance to get the whole 90 minutes all throughout the course of the day, is we hear people who say, I listen to you every morning. I listen to you every evening. I listen to you all the time. Well, Discovering the Jewish Jesus is on right after the Bottom Line Show, 4 o'clock on KCBC. It's also heard every weekday morning at 7.30 here on Bright, AM 740 in Southern California, AM 1240 in San Diego, and then again at 7.30 p.m. in the evening. So you've got multiple opportunities to listen to Rabbi Schneider with Discovering the Jewish Jesus. I really encourage you to tune in because of the fact that here we are in the times that we're living in. As you heard him talk about what it was like for him and his wife to be in Israel when the uh, attacks happened on uh, on Rosh Hashanah, was it, of uh, October the 7th of last year. And uh, as my dear friend and colleague, longtime friend and colleague, Leela Gilbert posted over the weekend, she said, you know, uh, this past Saturday was Holocaust Remembrance Day. And she said, ever since October 7th, every day is Holocaust Remembrance Day. And that's important for us to to understand. Uh, On the other side of this break, I want to take apart, if you will, uh, something that Rabbi Schneider said that I want to stress how important it is for us to get what's happening in Israel right as Christ followers. Let's do that on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. My thanks again to Rabbi Kurt Schneider. It's always a pleasure and privilege to spend some time with Rabbi. And uh, the last time we did so, oh my goodness, it's probably been about nine months. And uh, so for us to be able to get a chance to talk to him about, of course, the radio ministry of Discovering the Jewish Jesus, his brand new book is called To Know Him by Name, Discover the Power and Promises Revealed in the Hebrew Names and Titles of God. We are giving away a copy of that book, by the way, at 800-227-5278, the number to get you through to the bottom line. Um, And and if there's another resource that we can help you with, I mean, we've got tons of them. And I'm not going to put it upon Crystal and Teresa to have our entire catalog of books memorized here. Uh, These are some books come in and they're great. Some books come in and they're "Eh, they're okay. (laughs) Some movies, you know, things like that. But if there's a resource you need that we have that we can help you with, please let the girls know when you call in or if Joel answers the phone. And, uh, And we want to get that to you simply because the times are too important you know i mean it's fun to do giveaways and things like that and probably some of the authors after we give some of their books away wind up selling more books and 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 that's fine i mean that's all part of the business part but it's really more important for us to understand the signs of the times and what's going on case in point rabbi mentioned this um, earlier in our conversation when we talked about israel 
And he said, you know, people have to understand the timeline of what's going on here. We know the biblical history. You know, Israel, God's chosen people. Jacob wrestles with God, et cetera, et cetera. They have this land. But then right around the time of Jesus, you know, by the time Jesus is gone, the Romans basically say, we're rechristening this area of Palestine. The Israelites are scattered. And for the next 2,000 years, basically almost, up until 1948, there is no Israel. So there are all sorts of people who grow up thinking they're Palestinian. I can read William Barclay's commentaries, one of the best commenta Bible commentaries I've read in terms of prepping sermons, and he refers to it as Palestine. You know, I mean, of course, I guess the commentaries were written before 1948. But starting of May, May 11th, May 14th, 1948, that was kind of the beginning of putting in motion the end times because the United Nations of all places recognized Israel. Now, it's not biblical Israel in the sense that it's not as big, but there's this small area the size of New Jersey that the UN recognized as Israel. And there are 21 or 22 other nations around that area that are not Israel, that want Israel blown off the map. Now we know as Christians that Israel plays a huge role in God's chosen people. I mean, even though 90% of Israel right now are secular, the Jews who are there are living this kind of culturally Jewish life, but they aren't really living the Orthodox Jewish life. 3% of Jerusalem's Christian. And yet this is the spot where Jesus is coming back. So we know Israel has biblical importance and significance, but you've got some Palestinian folks in there who have no concept of that history whatsoever. And when they elected Hamas to be their government, they really basically said, we don't know what we're doing and we're hiring terrorists to run our nation. So uh, Prime Minister Sharon seeds the area of Gaza, whatever, in 2005 over to the Palestinians. They hire terrorists to run their government. And the terrorists now are the ones who were behind the, ta the attacks on October 7th. So as we pray, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we pray for Israel to prevail through this, we have to remember that it can't be at the expense of our Palestinian brothers and sisters, the Christians who are there. I'm not talking about that everybody in the, the Palestinian descent is Christian, but there are Palestinians who are Christians. To, to understand that first and foremost, God is coming back to return for his church, his people. But Israel plays an important part of that. So we, ha we have to have that cognitive dissonance with regard to the war and also with regard to the people. So I hope that's helpful. If you want more clarity on it, I encourage you to go back and listen to Rabbi Schneider's comments uh, at our podcast at thebottomlineshow.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, or go to myhopenow.com because you have video and Rabbi looks way better than I do. Uh, for our KCBC audience, you know the drill. Uh, we're coming up on four o'clock Pacific and Rabbi Schneider's up next. For those who remain on the network, you know I've talked a lot on this program about the so-called after-school Satan Club. Well, guess what? Now it's in Southern California, or at least it's scheduled to be in a couple of weeks. What exactly is this and what on earth is happening in the Capistrano Valley Unified School District? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. Well, welcome back to this Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh, and I can't thank Rabbi Kurt Schneider enough for joining us here on the Bottom Line Show to talk about Israel, to give us a healthy, I believe, biblical perspective on what the situation is. It's too easy to say, I'm pro-Israel, which means I'm anti-Palestine, or I'm anti-everybody who's not Israel. We know that Hamas has been running the Palestinian vibe there. We know that the attacks were directed by Hamas. They were carried out by you know, a variety of different people. We see all of the memes. It breaks my heart, especially when I see Christians doing this. 
picking up something from like Al Jazeera or something like that and saying, look at all the number of children who died and look at all the schools and mosques that have been ruined and blah, 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 blippity blah. And you say, wait a minute, whoa, 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 let's back that up a second. We know that the reason why the mosques and the churches and the synagogues are all being destroyed is because Hamas has taken them over and set them up to be their operative areas. We know that the reason the school buses full of children are being blown up and hospitals are being blown up is because Hamas is using them as human shields. It would be completely disingenuous for us as Christians to look at that suffering and say, oh, well, so what, because Hamas is doing it. But it's also completely disingenuous for those on the other side of the equation to say, Israel's the bad guy because all these children are dead. So we have to look at this through the lens of scripture. We have to, we don't have an option. And we pray for peace in Jerusalem. Of course we do. We pray for peace for everyone who's impacted in that region because we know that 3% of Jerusalem, Jerusalem are Christians. And we know that there are lots of Palestinians who are also Christians. And they just kind of wander around, don't know, quite know where to go because you know the, 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 the Muslim majority that's running that whole area has is, is become so suspicious. So it's not easy, and I'm so grateful that Rabbi Schneider, I mean, he was there. I'm part of his little prayer update. Anybody could do that, by the way. If you go to discoveringthejewishjesus.com, you could sign up and, and receive text messages from Rabbi uh, probably once or twice a week on average, and the idea that he was in uh, Israel when all the bombings took place is just, it's, it's heartbreaking um, at the same time to see what happened, and yet he offers a very biblical perspective on how we as Christians should be praying for this. And I encourage you, if you're just putting up memes saying, I stand with Israel and that's it, or Israel's a bad guy and that's it, I encourage you to revise your social media and take a more balanced approach. Uh, years ago, we started telling you about something called the After School Satan Club. Remember those things? You know, there's the, the, for years in the United States, we have been blessed with people who've run like the release time education program where, you know, the big old mobile bus book club thing would come and, and kids would be released from school for a half hour once a week or whatever to come in and get the, you know, the, the uh, Christian training, read, you know, biblical principle books and things like that. And it was optional. I mean, if the kids wanted to go, they could. If they didn't want to, they didn't have to. And of course, with Fellowship of Christian Athletes and a variety of different other after-school clubs, we've seen this happen in public schools all across the country. And there's always some crabby atheist or angry humanist who will show up and say, you can't do that. And the First Amendment always wins. But I remember here in Southern California, uh, my son is a public school teacher, in, uh, full disclosure, at Lagoon Hills High School in Saddleback Valley Unified School District. And years ago, this might have been 20, 25 years ago, there were a group of kids who wanted to have a Fellowship of Christian Athletes Club chapter, I believe, at El Toro High School, I think it was, one of the schools here. And the uh, principal at the time was so afraid of getting sued. I don't know how else to describe it. I don't know who the principal was at that time. I've not spoken to that person. This is all anecdotal from reports I've read. You can Google it and do your own homework if you want to. But there was a concern that by allowing the Christian group to have a club after school, it would invite other school clubs that they didn't like, but it would also invite legal action. No principal wants to get sued. No teacher wants to get sued. No school district wants to get sued. And for years, the left has been able to use this bully pulpit of, oh yeah, well, you know, that see you at the poll thing, that's a violation of separation of church and state. You can't do that. And then a guy like Joe Kennedy shows up and says, wait a minute, I'm a retired Marine. I got nothing to lose. 
I'm going to pray. And remember when Joe was the, he was the junior varsity head football coach and an assistant coach of the varsity squad. And they liked him, even though he didn't have any football experience per se, and even any really coaching experience, but he knew how to work with young guys because he'd been a Marine and he understood how, you know, to, you know, when you're taking these 18, 19 year old kids through boot camp, what they needed to get to where they needed to be. And he was a recent convert to Christianity. His wife had led him to the Lord a couple of years before. He was all excited about his faith. And so every year after, uh, during football season, after football games, he would go out to midfield, he would bow on one knee, he would uh, lower his head, and he'd offer a silent prayer, just basically saying, thank you, God, that the game was played fairly, uh, that there weren't any major injuries, thank you for watching over us. I mean, something really kind of like saying grace, right? More and more kids started following him to do that. Even some of the atheist kids were like, hey, it's a good show of unity. Pretty soon the opposing team was coming up and saying, hey, can we join your prayer circle afterwards? And no harm, no foul. Guys do this in the NFL all the time. No one has a problem with it. But someone, ironically, contacted the Bremerton Unified School District and said, hey, we think it's great that you're letting that Christian coach coach uh, offer a prayer after football games. And then the superintendent of the district said, wait, what? We're doing that? Oh, that's not good. Well, well, well we might get sued. We, we need to launch an investigation. They launched an investigation. The head of HR turned out to be Joe Kennedy's wife. They fought long and hard over this. She finally you said, honey, you got to let this go. He said, I can't let it go. You've heard the story. If you want to hear the whole story, go back in our archives at thebottomlineshow.com and you can hear my conversation with Joe uh, Kennedy, Coach Joe, or you can watch it at myhopenow.com. But anyway, I say all of that to say this. Joe Kennedy's case went to the Supreme Court and he won, which means that Christian faith-based groups, expressions of the Christian faith are protected by the Constitution. They've got backing with the Supreme Court of the United States of America. It's all good as far as that goes. So now the next question we have to ask is, well, what kind of protections then does a group called After School Satan Club have if they're saying we should be protected by the same religious liberties that a guy like Joe Kennedy should have or the Fellowship of Christian Athletes should have or release time after school Bible study should have. And that is a question that was brought up at the Capistrano Unified School District board meeting on January 17th. An organization called the After School Satan Club has proposed that they should be able to launch said club at Truman Benedict Elementary School in San Clemente. They are of the impression that they, well, I'll read you the flyer. We're going to put the flyer up at thebottomlineshow.com. Our friends at the uh, San Clemente Times actually did a study where they sent their reporter out. I love local newspapers who do this. I really do. Well, I mean, I don't know if there's a print version. I don't live in San Clemente. But if there, I mean, there's an online version, but I remember reading the Tustin News and all that stuff. I think the Orange County Register bought up all the local papers. But getting something in your hand and then when they send the reporter out and they, they go to the school board meeting and this, this report is great. It's got everything that happened to the school board meeting is listed in this article. But the Satanic Temple After School Club has a flyer. They've got an online version of it. Uh, they've got a QR code and they make a big deal out of the fact that they say, look, this is not sponsored by the school district. This is us just doing it. But they want to have this at an elementary school. I'm going to take a quick break because there's a lot 
to read in this thing. And well, no, let's get into it now. Well, Joel, hold the break for just a second. I'm going to read you this uh, brochure. So if you don't want to watch it, uh, you don't have to. But I'm, let me read you the brochure. And the have to admit, it's got the colors on the side. It's got some colorful pencils, you know, like you'd use in school if they still use pencils in school. Haven't gone all smart board and electric technology yet. And then there's the logo for the Satanic Temple. And I could t- the Satanic Temple After School Club, they, they must have spent at least five minutes on this logo. Okay? Maybe 10. I, I, they, they could... What, what is it we like to say? Uh, you know, when they talk about people sparing no expense to put on a great event. It looks like the Satanic Temple After School Satan Club spared every expense in putting their logo together. But anyway, I digress. Here's what it says. Hey, kids! Exclamation mark. Let's have fun at After School Satan Club! Exclamation mark. I hate having to read that, but, well, that's what it says. Science and community service projects, puzzles and games, nature activities, arts and crafts, snacks, and tons of fun! That's the biggest, boldest thing you see on this besides the name of the school. Parents, your child will learn benevolence and empathy, critical thinking, problem-solving, creative expression, personal sovereignty, compassion. Now, this is how they describe themselves on the brochure. The Satanic Temple is a non-theistic religion that views Satan as a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. After School Satan Club does not attempt to convert children to any religious ideology. That's what they say in the brochure. Continuing, uh, instead, the Satanic Temple supports children to think for themselves. All After School Satan Clubs are based on activities centered around the seven fundamental tenets and emphasize a scientific, rationalist, non-superstitious worldview. So Truman Benedict Elementary School in San Clemente, congratulations, he says sarcastically, you have been selected to have an after-school Satan Club meet. So how often are they meeting? How long are the meetings? How much does this cost? Where is it going to be on school grounds? Is it not going to be on school grounds? The sponsoring agency for this group is called the Satanic Temple and Reason Alliance. And for more information, you can always email them or go to their website. Now, you know what's going to happen if you email them. They're going to take all your information off the email. They're going to ask you a ton of questions and bombard you with spam and propaganda. Please do not email them. Uh, We're going to take a quick break. Who exactly is the Satanic Temple? Is this just one of those name things like those? uh, Remember during the the, about 10 years ago, there was a big movement for these non-Christian groups to actually have like a display at Christmas time. And there's some I mean, literally, there's a a, a group. What do they call themselves? The uh, the Church of the Flying Spaghetti Monster or something like that. Literally, they're that they've got this this uh, colander with spaghetti on it flying through. That's what their religion is. But the Satanic Temple evidently does have a 501c3 designation. They are recognized by the Internal Revenue Service as a nonprofit organization, and they claim to be a faith-based group. 
But are there claims of innocence? We're just seeing Satan as a literary figure. It's a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny. Or is it much deeper than that? We'll get into it on the other side of this break as the bottom line continues. For more than 50 years, Dennis Wilson has been offering better alternatives to what the market offers when it comes to investments like certificates of deposit and real estate investment trusts. Dennis's 3D account pays even better than market interest rate. Here's Dennis to explain. So what is a 3D account and how does it work? A 3D account is a real estate-backed investment without Wall Street risk. It pays an amazing interest of 7% for the next three years. At the end of three years, you can take your money out so you can see it's definitely not a REIT, or you can reinvest it at 7% in a new program. Go ahead and call today and ask about the 7% account. And then while you're on the phone and ask about our accounts that are pays even higher amounts for funds over 250000 Learn more about Dennis Wilson's 3D Money account, the better alternative to the Real Estate Investment Trust. Call 800-696-9970. 800-696-9970. Wilson Financial, simply better alternatives. Welcome back to The Bottom Line Show. Roger Marsh here. We are taking a look at several listeners have written into us or called in. Thank you for expressing your concern about what's happening. If you're a member of the Capistrano Unified School District at all, I mean, if you work for the district, if you're on the board, we have a chat function at the KBright app, and we've got a nice chat conversation going on right now. If you haven't downloaded the KBright app, please download it for free. Uh, just you get it at whatever store you get it from, Google Play or the, uh, the App Store. And then you can set it up. Crystal and Tamara are on it. Sometimes Todd's on it as well. Uh, just kind of running the chat. Now, I don't run the chat while we're talking here on the broadcast. And the reason I don't is because the same way you would not want to have a chat room conversation going on with the pilot of the airplane who is flying you from L.A. to New York, right? Uh, <laughs> I mean, seriously, not, not to say that what I'm doing here, I'm obviously stationary in the studio. But when it comes to full concentration and giving you the best information and medication that's why we do it so if you want to get in the chat on the, especially on this satan club now the after school satan club says hey look there's fellowship of christian athletes and the release time education we're kind of in the same category we do science and community service projects we do puzzles and games we have nature activities crafts snacks it's, it's going to be tons of fun it only meets for an hour they start at 205 p.m and end at 305 p.m the Orange County edition is going to take place at Truman Benedict Elementary School. So why are so many parents so concerned? It's very interesting because the After School Satan Club, which is sponsored by an organization called the Satanic Temple, maintains over and over again they do not attempt to convert children to any religious ideology. Instead, and I'm quoting from their uh, flyer here, the Satan Club does not attempt to convert children. Instead, the Satanic Temple supports children to think for themselves. All after-school Satan clubs, they claim, are based on activities centered around the seven fundamental tenets and emphasize a scientific, rationalist, non-superstitious worldview. So it's not about religion. It's not about superstition. It's about critical thinking and empathy and benevolence. They, they even go so far in the ad is to say, we believe that Satan is a literary figure who represents a metaphorical construct of rejecting tyranny and championing the human mind and spirit. Well, if that is in fact the case, I do have a question. This is sponsored by the Satanic Temple. 
Um, there's an organization, I guess, called the Satanic Temple and Reason Alliance. There is a permission slip that is required. And the permission slip has student information. Basically, the question they have, number one, is uh, return to the bottom of this form with your student to their first club meeting. Make sure your child's teacher is aware that they will be joining us on club days. Please complete one form per child. Now, they have an electronic form, et cetera, et cetera. And then they have another big question in bold. How will your child get home on club day at 305? You either circle, I'm going to pick up that child myself at Truman Benedict Elementary School at 305, or we attend another after-school program and will be picked up by an approved adult, et cetera, et cetera. They've got a privacy thing. And in teeny tiny letters at the bottom, in a different color font, the same color font as it's listed in two different places. It says at the bottom, this event slash activity is not sponsored or endorsed by Capistrano Unified School District. So that is in fact the case. Here's the question I have for the folks who are part of the Satanic Temple and Reason Alliance. Is this not the same Satanic Temple that rented space at the Tulsa, Oklahoma Community Center about four or five years ago and held a black mass? Is this not the same organization that literally did a reverse Eucharist, if you will? Now, I can't think of anything more precious to us in the body of Christ than taking communion. Remembering the words of Jesus, this is my body given for you, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians, every time we eat of this bread and drink of this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until it comes. It's a very, very special event for us. I mean, it's one of the two sacraments in the Christian church. It's the one, there are two of the, well, Catholic Church says there are seven, but there are two sacraments in the Christian church that every Christian, regardless of your denomination, even if you're non-denominational, we understand that there are two things that basically are sacred in our Christian faith, and they are baptism and communion. The Satanic Temple that says here on their flyer for the After School Satan Club that we're not a religious organization and we're not trying to proselytize your children is the same Satanic Temple, evidently, that sponsored a black mass in Tulsa, Oklahoma a few years ago. Why would a quote-unquote non-religious group, was it supposed to be for sport? Where they basically mocked the Eucharist? They mocked the broken body of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the shedding of his blood, the new commandment that is given to us, the new covenant that is given in his blood, shed for us and for all people for the forgiveness of sin. And they mock it. But they're not a religious group. Well, if they're not a religious group, why are they mocking Jesus Christ, who is obviously a historical figure and a religious figure, more than just a symbol, he's our savior, he's our salvation. So I guess the question we have now is they're obviously spreading some misinformation here and there are some parents that are going to show up. How many kids are at risk here? What's the population of the Truman Benedict Elementary School and how many kids are already signed up and are going to be indoctrinated by this group? We'll talk about that coming up next as the bottom line continues. 
One of the things I appreciate, and I know you do too, about preborn is the fact that they tell you the truth about where you are in pregnancy. You know, it, 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 it's amazing how the National Institute of Health and the CDC wants to classify pregnancy as a quote-unquote illness, so then they can prescribe quote-unquote treatment medication in the form of an abortion pill to end the abortion. Well, that's crazy. We know, you know and I know, that God creates each of us in the womb of our mothers, and he creates each of us uniquely for a purpose. And 85% of the women who go to preborn clinics and they don't hear the, the propaganda from the abortion industry that says you, your two choices are either abortion or misery, that there are three options. And the third one involves basically choosing life for the child and releasing that child for adoption. I want to thank a couple of people for their very generous donations to Preborn. Dean in National City made a $1,400 donation. Dave in Lake Forest, a $500 donation. Uh, and also Edward in Norfolk, Nebraska, who listens online with a 48 monthly dollar donation. Uh, go to kbrightradio.com. Click on the preborn banner and make your best donation today. It's completely tax deductible. 100% of your donation goes to ultrasound technology, and we're saving lives and saving babies through preborn. Click on kbrightradio.com, hit the preborn banner today. Welcome back to the Super Tuesday edition of the Bottom Line Show. I'm Roger Marsh. As you think about those elections that we are, we're, there's primaries going on. Of course, this is the general election year 2024, which means we're electing a new president, vice president, potentially new uh, governor in California, not for a couple more years. But you've got senators seats that are up and congresspeople seats that are up and those school board seats, too. And boy, I'll tell you, some hotly contested seats races could be happening in Capistrano Valley Unified School District in South Orange County, California, after what's been going on at Truman Benedict Elementary School. K through five school in uh, the South Orange County, where the flyers have been going out. It was kind of a well kept secret, they claimed. Uh, but then people went to the school board meeting on the 17th and said, "Hey, what's with this? We hear about the after school Satan Club. Who is the Satanic Temple? They claim to be non-religious, but we've got several cases you can Google and find out of cases where they engage in religious activity." They say they're not trying to proselytize children. They're trying to use logic and reason to make them more compassionate and empathetic. But the reality is they are trying to steer kids away from, I mean, just by the activities that they do. Not that Christian groups wouldn't be involved in nature and education, but by definition of who the after-school Satan club is, they are proselytizing the kids. In the same way, if a Christian group came in and did this type of stuff, uh, they, I'm sure there'd be some crabby atheists and angry humanists. But how many kids are impacted by this? this? The first meeting of the club is February the 12th, and it's supposed to be every month then for the next four weeks or four months after that until the end of the school year. The student body population, as near as I could tell, this is from U.S. News and World Report, they do a ranking of every public elementary school in the country. And they've got certain percentages, like what percentage of the student body is uh, you know, male and what percentage is female, for example. Um, you know, are they proficient in math? By the way, the at-a-glance ratio, there's a typically 23% uh, to one or 23 to one student-teacher ratio overall in the uh, scores of the testing scores. 68% of the students score at or above proficiency level for math, 71% about, above that level for reading. Uh, the minority student enrollment is pretty much one out of every four. I'm surprised feminists have not converged upon this uh, student here. There are 27 full-time equivalent teachers. The student population is 46% female and 54% male. That's shocking. 
Why are winter women so underrepresented at Truman Benedict Elementary School? They really need to do something about that. And, and something else that was shocking, too. There's no message, no mention of how many kids are transgender. Because, you know, quite frankly, a lot of public schools don't know how many. A lot of bills are being passed for transgender protections and things. And they don't know how many transgender students there are. One out of every 10 kids at Truman Benedict is in some kind of economically disadvantaged program. But you know how many kids are signed up for the After School Satan Club so far? As of this broadcast airing today, out of 600, I figured the, uh, my, my in, unofficial tally is around 618 students at the school. And the number of them that are signed up for the After School Satan Club is exactly none. Not one. No one signed up for it yet. Now, that doesn't mean 20 kids might not show up on the first day with their permission slips, but in terms of pre-registration, now the after-school Satan people aren't telling anybody what's going on. But this is a place to pray, go to school board meetings, and ask questions. And one of the best questions I think you can ask school board members is how does this help make our district better? How does this make our school better? How does this help the kids? Can you give me examples of places where a group called the After School Satan Club is actually enriching the lives of the children who join it? You might say, well, okay, it's got kind of a funny name, but they're doing these benevolence projects. You know, we still live in a time where there are certain things that are offensive to people to the point where you can't do it. Like, for example, there's always some nut job you know, somewhere in America. His son is born. He goes, I'm going to name my kid Adolf Hitler Johnson. You know, and we, no, you can't name your kid Adolf Hitler. It's, just, it's, it's not, not a good look, not a good sound. For better or for worse, what this does is it gives us an opportunity to ask the question, what do you think about this? Would you send your kid to a club like this? If you knew this was happening at your child's, child's school, how would that make you feel as a parent or as the grandparent who has custodial responsibility? We don't have to petition with signs and burning crosses on the front of the school and death threats and all those things that a lot of people who profess faith in Christ unfortunately are given to do. But it's well worth writing a letter to the superintendent of the district, to the Capistrano Valley Unified School District Board, and asking them the question, why are you even entertaining this? The fact that the group is called the After School Satan Club should be enough to let you, you know, get you in on the, whether they have the religious liberty right or not, you have the right to say, for the protection of the kids, we don't want to invite that type of thing in here. In the same way, what if it was called the After School Clan Club? Would you willingly put that out there? even if they had all the legal paperwork that said they could, at some point, the adults have to protect the children. At some point, the people with common sense have to look at the people who are just trying to get under your skin and ask the question, is this going to do more harm than good? I can't see anything good coming out of this, except the church rising up and saying, wait a minute, enough is enough. There is good news, and it has nothing to do with Satan. That's the bottom line.